Well, this is a difficult uh, thing to get advice on because when you ask advice about this kind of thing, one doesn't want uh, your work to think you're solely reflecting on them, which I am not. I've I, I've worked at many places over. I'm not going to do the math, but I think I started working in 1995, and that's at least 20 years, Oof. I believe, at many places, large. And well, you small. were in high school, right? Maybe I was. middle school. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's actually fourth grade. No, yeah, yeah. I got, I got, I got really lucky. You know, I got to start programming right in high school. It was great, uh, etc. Uh, and um, so I've worked at many places. And the following observations and question I have come from all of those places, not just my current temporal reality. Now, Brandon, uh, a couple episodes on the Cloudcast. I think, I think you, uh, you, you and Brian, you hit on a great. I think maybe this should be done every quarter at the beginning of the quarter. I'm going to call it basically the what should I actually be doing in Q1 uh, like like overview. And I think that'd be great to hear at least for Q4. I think that would be maybe if you're not going to do Q2, Q2, the episode would be very short. It would be like nothing. And then Q3 would be like time for summer vacation. But then Q4 comes around and it's like shit's getting real. Right, like, <laughs> and then Christmas. Yeah. Q4 anyway. always the same. Q4 has always remains to say. Really appreciate everyone's efforts, but what we got to do right now, we got to do everything we can to close all of the open deals. So, if that, exactly. sales or uh, sales engineering or anyone needs help with customers, please make the extra effort yeah. to close the deals because it's yeah. coming soon. Like that's always the end of Q4, or the beginning of Q4, the middle of Q4, and the end of Q4 is always the same. Yeah, yeah. They're like, don't you remember back at kickoff when we had uh, that college lacrosse coach come in and really like amp us up about how anything's possible if we just will it uh, or, or whatever? Definitely. And and yes, Q4 is always like, I just need everyone to concentrate and just like just help each other out and just do things that are uncomfortable. Just get out there. Wait, wait, really. wait a, br- a brief side note here. What is the <laughs> the uh, motivational speakers at QBRs and, and kickoffs like? What's the deal with that? Oh my god! Yeah, okay, there's a uh, we're just we're just filling out episode suggestions for uh, for the Cloudcast apparently because that would be that would be amazing. <laughs> I'd like to hear I'd like to hear Brian's you know Sunday recollections or you know musings on uh, you know the time that uh, you know some third string NFL quarterback came and gave him a pep talk. <laughs> Every time I haven't witnessed a lot of those, but every time I've witnessed ones in retrospect, now that I'm thinking about it, and then I'll get to the point, the question I was going to have is like, I, I'm, I always feel like, wow, that was a really good talk and I'm inspired, but I still have no idea what the fuck I should be doing. Like, <laughs> like I'm not sure why that's, that's relevant, but it, you know, whatever, it's good trying. I think, I think there was some coach that was at one of these and the phrase that uh, I think, I think Schaefer and I joked back between each other a lot was like always sweep the corners so we like for we, for several quarters we we're all, we're obsessed with sweeping the corners in a very ironic way just sweep the corners uh but uh the question I, I i had for you two is it is uh for most of us the beginning of q1 or whatever the beginning of the year where where uh it's almost like spring early spring where like hopes and dreams are refreshed new strategies are in play as, as you and Brian noted, uh, you got new executives, new plans. Everyone's kind of trying out how can we finally do attribution of the DevRel efforts that we have? So can we report on that? Like we've got some new uh, some new Legion reporting. We've got a new uh, new regional breakdown. We're going to be 
we're no longer going to be regional focused. We're going to be uh, practice and industry focused. Uh, or if we're going to be regional focused, we're regional focused, except for the federal government, which is always the same, <laughs> so forth and so on. And uh, I went into this uh, quarter uh, as I try to go into all uh, in my, my mature uh, uh, career life in the past few years, every Q1, repeating the following mantra. Do not get obsessed with strategy. Don't pay attention to anything. Don't don't offer your don't offer input. Don't get involved. Because over my entire career, and again, I want to emphasize this is my entire career, the same thing happens. Like there's a lot of fun stuff going on. I get really involved. And then like sometime in mid-February, I'm like, hold on. Did I just eat five boxes of donuts? Like it just like it doesn't and then and then I kind of just revert back to making stupid little videos. And and so like I I want to I want to know I want some not affirmation but I I want some like modeling that I can use to know because one doesn't want to just like be dismissive and not be involved especially when you know you're a more senior person and people ask this but how can one sort of like protect themselves from over committing to those those five boxes of donuts that that kind of just like don't really go anywhere. Is there like this career arc where you you were so involved, so involved, so involved, and oh no, no, you found yourself in the CTO's office, and then you're just like, nope, and you know, <laughs> the, the the path forward were like, well, I got to go do my own startup, or I'm gonna you know chop wood, carry water. I think yeah, I, I think that's that the you become that. you become a strategic advisor or spend more time with family. Yes, <laughs> but I think you kind of hit on it, man. I think it is. I think what I would say there, you know, the answer I kind of give is like. You kind of have to decide, like, is is this the kickoff? Is it incremental kind of mm. improvement, the goal? Or is this the moment where some type of, like, new discontinuous kind of, like, something we've never done before, um, you know, if you will, big swing, BHAG, you know, pick your, like, management kind of uh, metaphor of choice about, like, some aggressive goal. And kind of, I think that's what you're really sizing up. It's sort of, like, where's right. the organization at? Where's your market at? And where are you at in your career? And that's sort of like going to guide you. And I think most of the time, you know, if you're working for a very large company and you can, you believe you're going to grow at a very similar rate that you grew before me, you know, you always want more, but you know, you're, you're maybe projecting percentage points of improvement, not like, you know, doubling or tripling. You're likely going to be thinking incremental kind of suggestions. And if you do suggest like, we should do the brand new, crazy new thing that, you know, that you're passionate about, that's going to be hard for a large organization to absorb. So that is where maybe uh, to use your metaphor, maybe that's where you suffer a little bit of the indigestion. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I think we just took on too much. So that's kind of how I think of it. Now, if you're at a startup, yeah. like to Matt's comment, like if you were at a start, startup and you're kind of fighting for your life and it's like the thing we did last year, the product we had, the market we had, in fact, forget about growth. We didn't make any money or we made you know so little money that the company's on going to be you know if you will end it then maybe you would be like okay now's the time for like a major pivot because you know sure, what nothing sure. to lose but that's that's pretty rare in people's career I think. yeah it's just like last year we lost five dollars we got to do something different like i think you know there, there was i was listening to one of the uh one of the many ben thompson podcasts and and he brought up a good point uh that i think you know it's it's a, another way of, of saying what putting it's another way of saying what you're putting, putting what you're saying. Uh, and uh, I need to reboot myself. And it, it, it's basically like, you know, 
you want to be in a business that is grow that where the market is growing. And if the market isn't growing, then that's generally not great, right? Or you've just kind of like leveled off. And I, and I think to kind of synth, you know merge it up with with some of the things you were saying, uh, Brandon, like that in a large company, it's probably less stressful in general to just be involved in the incremental improvement rather than getting all wrapped up into in the big earth shattering things. Uh, and and that that will make sure that uh, not only do you not eat five boxes of donuts, but you also don't want to find out that you're the one who cooked them. Uh, that, that's. <laughs> but to, either, to go further, I think to be fair about it, too, it's like there is just this realization like there's only so much change or like a large corporation. Right. Barring yeah. like something crazy, like, you know, I guess Twitter and X would be kind of the outlier where someone comes in and is just like willing to tear the thing down. Right. There just is only so much change a group can take on. Right. And that's the idea of like, like, for example, would be like, somebody's like, we should go buy this company. Coach, I think you have a lot of experience with that. People like, it's like buying company is a huge effort right. a company. Right. And just to get it going is a massive undertaking. Right. And so, or when people say like, you just pick your thing. If you're like, I'm a, a large, I do large enterprise sales deals. And people are like, you know what we need to do? We need to do smaller, you know, self-service type of thing or vice versa. Like that type of change in organization, like, People underestimate like how much effort and time it takes to be done. So that's where I think you have to come back to be like, you know, can the company really, you know, even absorb this? And back to your thing about growth is like, I think we all try to, you know, work at companies that are growing double digits, but the reality is even a market that is growing double digits doesn't last forever. Even AWS mm-hmm. and these they have these huge growths. It's like eventually it comes down to where you're doing like, you know, only a few points. So it's not that easy. It's not like when people are like, oh, they should go work at a growth growth company. Well, it's like, I mean, if you're there for a while, it's hard to like work there for many years or always be growing at a huge rate. So I think that's where you, you do kind of have to protect yourself a little bit. Like what is the company capable of? What is the market capable of? What can I do versus like getting really, really frustrated and cynical about like, oh, we didn't execute on the brand new whiz bang AI strategy that's changing the world. Well, you know, most companies aren't. Well, there is a, a microsm of, of what you're saying, though, where, where a group that has a high rate of change annually, uh, sales, like literally every year there, I mean, there might, might not be making the jump from SMB to enterprise or, or vice versa, but literally they almost <clears throat> every company I've been involved with uh, has never had a sales motion that's lasted more than two years. Right. I mean, something has drastically changed, like the products change the, you know, hey, how we go about this in the market, the teams change, the org chart changes. And so there's definitely some people and uh, enterprises who are, are going to have more of this. And then if you want the safer experience, it's usually a development. It might be a, a grind, but, you know, they are used to having longer roadmaps where, you know, they, they're not having to eat like, hey, we're going to change everything we're doing. Um, cause if they do like, it, it doesn't show up overnight, you know, sales yeah. can like flip on, flip on a dime. But you know, when, when, you know, when your, uh, software product changes overnight, it's actually six months. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel like, I feel like the, well, one, just like sales is crazy. And however people say it nowadays, like respect to people who like doing that and survive it and interact with it. Good for them. <laughs> but like I, I feel like another warning sign this time of year is when you hear that there's a new a new book that all the salespeople should be reading, right? oh. and it's sort of like some new method of of how you should be doing things. 
And man, you know, we used to review books and things like that here on this podcast, and that would be endless. And I'm sure, I'm sure it would be like a lot of these things. We'd be like, so I think the theory of this book is you uh, find something your customers need, explain how you solve it, and then get money from them. And and also you want to like, you know, challenge what they're, whatever. It's just all the same shit over and over again. <laughs> just describe the challenge yourself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, whatever. It's just the same. Exactly. Well, I'd even argue to kind of Matt's point. It was sort of like, I would say the fundamentals of sales don't change that much year to year. I think what does change is kind of what you were talking about. Because it was like, yes, sort of like the regions change or the industry the focus change. Yeah. And the messaging, I would say most of the time the, the sales decks and things are refreshed. They're not like. You know, yes. it's not like you're building out a brand new uh, value proposition in most cases. Maybe you emphasize uh, more on cost savings, less on, uh, you know, agility or, you know, growth or vice versa. So I think, you know, there are some things where it's, it, to me, it is pretty consistent. So it's sort of like, it's just like, a, I think a sporting uh, metaphor is maybe good here. Like, it's just like a new season. It's like, we're still playing the same game. Maybe we put in a slightly different offense or a slightly different strategy, but for the most part, the fundamentals are the same. And I, I don't, and I think, and when you see a company's like, like, for example, I think one of the, I don't know if we're really talking about in detail, but like Google, for example, um, has some new AI system where they basically are doing some automated stuff where they're actually getting rid of the salespeople. It's like, okay, that's a pretty radical change. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and that to me is, it's much more rare and we'll see maybe next year at this time, we'll see Google's hiring a bunch of salespeople back. And if so, we'll know, oops, looks like it didn't work out, but that's like a radical change. But I think most of the time it's, it's the fundamentals don't change that much. All right. I think, I think with that word refresh, I've got a theory of, of a model for, for, uh, you know, donut overeating avoidance. And it is, if you're working in a large company, that's not like some crazy high growth, whatever. Uh, and this time of year, you know, if you want the safe sort of like, journey that isn't going to drive you crazy. You can always try for the high risk, like do something new journey, but you should be focusing on refreshing things. You don't want to like start something brand new, come up with new stuff, like challenge what's out there and innovate. Just focus on the annual refresh of what you have, the incremental improvements. uh, And that probably will be uh, fine, which, you know, maybe is not the best career advice, but like, I, I think, I think, I think, and, and to, I think a lot of career advice reduces down to like how to get uh, how to make more money and get a promotion, which at some point you're kind of like, I'm, I'm not interested. I, I just I just would like to plateau. Oh. <laughs> I, I'm just like your CTO, right? You're, you're who, who becomes a CTO and they're like, ooh, I've made a terrible decision. Like and they just want to go back to uh, to coding, coding. Or whatever. So I don't know. We'll see what happens if I if I. Uh, if I can manage to refresh things, probably not. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a bad habit. Also footnote to that. I think, I think if I were running M and a, uh, my, everyone's always got just like in sales, everyone has this theory and template of M and a that they use. And my template would be like, you've got to tell me 10 reasons what we're going to do when we fuck this up. Like what, what are, what are 10 ways we're going to, we're going to fix this when we, uh, we screw it up and then tell me about the deal. When like, we ruin this, how do we how do we extract value from it? Because because that's the uh, I I just released one of my business bullshit things today about synergies, and I think uh, I I think that's what I would want to focus on is like, tell me how we're going to screw up the synergies and how we're going to fix it because uh, that's that's what's going to matter. <laughs> do Do you have good recipes for golden geese? <laughs> that's that's right. Well, speaking of synergies, as as you were alluding to, uh, Brandon, there there have been several uh, things this week about uh, you know, how large high-growth companies have been transforming 
Which is to say there's been some individuals uh, talking about how the culture seems to have shifted and things have moved around. I think, you know, as you pointed out, I it's hard to know if this fits in the category, but it, but it, it is interesting. Like there, there, was, uh, there was a note that from what I could tell at Google, you mentioned the, 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 the AI replacing salespeople. And in the article, I, of course, didn't go verify any of this by calling my extensive sources. Uh, for off-the-record conversations uh, that I share with Kara Swisher uh, when when I need to verify things for the <laughs> podcast, uh, and like it sounds like there's there were a whole bunch of people who do I guess you would call it maybe customer success. They work with existing ad customers to help them develop better ads. Yeah, like optimize or spend. Yeah, yeah. which is just like whatever the abstract version of that pattern of business is, that's just like the best position to be in when you're selling something. Let me help you figure out how to make your, your use of my product more successful. I, I think customer I think, success 101. It's, yeah. it's, it's a great job when you have a good product that is actually showing value for your customers. Cause then oh, it's, man. renewals are, are easy and everyone's happy to talk to you. The bad Spe- part. Speaking of of the uh, speaking of the Valhalla of decades of my career, that that sounds like it right there. But uh, yeah, I, and so it sounds like what these people were doing is you know suggesting text and even images and how to arrange things. And so I can see that like, and from my use my experience using AI for various things, it's probably okay at that. And then the other thing now that I'm ta- thinking about it is like my I feel like I've hit a wall with AI stuff where like. I can't push it to be better. Like I'm, I think I'm right up against its its usefulness. And my new theory is that there's some sort of like uh, governors and limits being put on it. And like if, if you could remove those, it might be a little more creative and Machiavellian and just kind of like clever. So I maybe think, I think that, that's what happened in the Open AI boardroom. They were running up against those limits, and they're like, "We need better Dungeons and Dragons." And they're like, "No, you got to go." And no. Yeah, no, it's it just like, like whether I'm working on like, you know, tech copy or even trying to like theorize things or playing Dungeons and Dragons, like it just like it's, 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 it's gone to the uh, whatever the Peter principle is. Is that the one where you get promoted to the level of your incompetence? Yeah, yeah. What, whatever the Peter AI is. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, the AI has been prompted beyond the level of its confidence. <laughs> Maybe is, chat GPT-5. It's like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Season 5 or whatever. Yeah. So so there's good, that. Good and, and as Brandon says, that'll be a good thing to check in at the end of the year. Not, I don't know how we would call it Miss Swisher and see see what her sources say. Uh, but I, I think also there was some uh, there's some some write-ups from, uh, was it Justin Garrison? I think I think he left oh, Amazon. Yeah. He, yeah. he went. Didn't really like the uh, the state of things there. And then there was kind of a, it was one of those replies where no names were named, but but I think you could kind of figure it out if you follow the news. Adrian Cocroft wrote a great piece that was sort of like your your misprioritization and misunderstanding of things. And I think that's where there was kind of the the high growth, low growth point was was brought up and a few other things. And then and then over in the software defined talk Slack channel, we had uh, we had just a fun spontaneous discussion about DevRel. And its value, and I think, I think all of this amounts to. I'm going to try to reduce it all down. Is like, at some point, you've got to prove how you help the company make money, and and the the further away you are from that, uh, the more difficult things get, especially as the company stops making money so easily, and uh, that that seems to be where maybe we are in in the tech industry. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the key to, to DevRel is you have to show like how you're generating value commercially, um, which, you know, unfortunately it's usually not just going to a bunch of conferences and, and uh, you know, giving talks unless you can come back with like, Oh, and I got these hot leads or I brought something for biz dev or, you know, I had two lunches with different, you know, customers or, or something like that. So, um, my recommendation that, you know, for everyone and, and Devrel, uh, myself included is, you know, try to try to get involved on the sales cycle as much as you can. I mean, that's, that's the best thing you can do. And, and another thing I, I, I was realizing that, well, first of all, yes, that I was just kind of going over what these articles talked about instead of what they actually talk about. I forget which one, which one it was there, but there was, there was a, uh, maybe it was some of the Amazon ones, but there was a good point brought up in this, uh, this episode is like, you know, late stage tech companies or whatever, but like a, a good point of like, there's a lot of collaboration and thriving and pizza eating uh, early on when a company is growing and experimenting. But at some point, the company figures out uh, what it's, what it's business is, it's product market fit, what it's going to be doing. And then it's very easy for all those previous pizza sharing teams to start basically being territorial and like hoarding things. Oh yeah. Because like, their job is to just like keep making the money that they're making and then make more money with what they're doing, not sort of like make big bets. And so anytime that they're kind of like working with other people or seeding territory, it just kind of like threatens that equilibrium that they're in. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the early days of, of chef um, I was, you know, employee 16 uh, and <laughs> our team of, of four was training services and evangelism. I mean, that's like each one of those turned into like different fiefdoms in the org chart with, you know, a dozen people or more. And yeah, in, in the early days, you get to do it all and it's more fun in my opinion. But uh, as you get bigger, you kind of start having to defend your territory and, and you know, keep renewing that budget and you start to look like a, a state agency where it's like you have to spend all your money or you won't get it back next year. Yeah, well, you know, just kind of picking on the on that part, as well as sort of some of the comments in Slack, I thought this idea about, you know, and, and we see in the post that originally uh, entitled uh, The Trouble with DevRel is like, when it really comes down to it is like that function seems to overlap with lots of other things, whether it be product, marketing, sales, services. And, I, you know, and I thought one of the comments somebody made in Slack was really, you know, made a lot of sense because I think DevRel sort of comes out of like the history would probably be like technical marketing, you know, sort of once existed. And I kind of wonder in some ways if it's just sort of like, it's just important to people to be called DevRel versus another thing, solution architect, technical marketer, you know, pick many titles that come out of it. But what someone said I thought was really good was just sort of like, it's a job in some ways that's a good place to almost, if you will, you know, treat it like an internship to, to your kind of point, man, is like, you kind of like could do a bunch of stuff with a bunch of different teams. But the end of it is you kind of learn what you like. Like, if you really like, I like to take, you know, manage the product, you get into product management. Or if you like, I really enjoy the sales side of it. That's really a sales engineering or sales position. Or, you know, or if you really enjoy kind of like the lead generation and, you know, if you will, going out and interfacing and bringing awareness, well, that's really more like a marketing function. So I think in a lot of ways, I, and I think that's what I see with so many of these posts are always kind of arguing like, People don't get what Del- DevRel is. People don't people don't really understand it. We need it. And it's like, well, I don't know. Another way to look at it is more like, no, this this does have a lot of natural overlaps. Why don't you just pick the thing that you like and maybe go work in the organization, which will probably be easier than trying to argue for like an entire another category to exist. Go ahead, Matt. 
Well, I mean, it's almost like like a Peter Pan thing where, you know, you don't really want to grow up because it's a fun job, right? You get to do, you get to dabble in everything and, and, and have fun. But as the organization grows, it's harder to show value as, you know, those things that you were dabbling in get peeled off and turned into their own groups, right? You have, oh, now we have a community manager, you know, who does all that stuff. And, oh, now we have somebody in technical marketing who handles that. And, you know, the sales engineers have been picking up a lot of the the slack. So what's left for the Devrel guy? And it seems like, you know, in small companies, you get to do everything. And in big companies, you're kind of losing your way. You know, or, or, or not losing your way, but like it's harder to show value when you've been compartmentalized. Yeah, and I like the idea of like, and it's sort of like, I won't say grow up because that probably is kind of sending people, but just sort of like maturing in the organization is like, no, no, at the end of the day, like you got to own some metrics, right? And I think that's sort of what, or some something, right? And I think that's what you see so much of this conversation is like, oh, you know, we can't hold me accountable to this, right? And I think this is where maybe management has like a legit gripe. It's like, Oh, you know, I'm in DevRel. Don't hold me to this because, you know, otherwise it's sort of like, if you will, it uh, it takes away my purity. I can't really do the job. It's like, well, no, at some point, like you got to be held to something, right? And you kind of have to pick one of these things. And and so if you really enjoy it, because I think, you know, I'll just, the product management one is always like interesting because that's the closest to like what I live in. People always say, it's like, well, I'm really there to, uh, you know, make sure that we have good input to the product and we have new features in there. But I'm, I I don't have to, uh, I'm not, if you will, held to any of the product management kind of metrics. And it's like, it's not like, you know, so I'll just speak to that one area. It's not like the product management team doesn't know about all these other ideas. <laughs> yeah. It's not You're like, usually oh, not bringing them new ideas. We had no idea. It's that when you apply the metric of like, I have to defend everything we're going to do and like why it's going to help the company forward. When you have to own that part of it, you realize like, wow, that is a great idea. You know, I wish we did do this important thing is, you know what we're going to do? We're going to work on the security and the uh, account permissions because that's yeah. actually what large companies are going to pay yeah. us for. LDAC and I understand <laughs> that we're not working on uh, the new API and it's, you know, the JSON's messed up or the, ver- you know, like all these things, like I know about these things. It's not, I don't know about it. It's just that, you know, when you put on that lens and I think the same thing to be fair about it, same thing with sales. It's like, Oh, it's not that I don't want to go speak at conferences. It's just that like, we've got to go to Omaha and we've got to meet with this company for three days in the snow and we got to make this work because we got to close this deal. You know what I mean? And it's, and so, so there is this kind of thing where it's like, Hey, that sort of becomes the job. And that's where it's like, maybe it is a good place to start, but it's like, if you're not willing to own some of those metrics, I I don't know. I, I, for once I will say like, I, I feel the kind of, if you will, the frustration from the management side is like, well then, you know, you know, what are you doing? Right. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. There is, you know, I, I, as, as, as I was reading this stuff, I was thinking like, there's also the method where there are very few people who do this role of, of developer relations or evangelism or whatever you want to call it. But there are many people who like do the function here and there as part of their ongoing job. Right. And, and that, that can be, that can turn into difficulty because people just run out of time to do it. Right. And I I think especially in the open source world, like it's kind of easy to operate this way because it's just kind of baked in that you, I mean, you even say the word community, like if you're doing some sort of open source business, chances are high that you have a lot of people involved in the project and who have a personality. Now that does lead just as you were saying with having to do something in the snow, like, it does make me wonder, I always wonder this with all roles, uh, but like at some point, 
everyone's out in the snow and they're like, but we still need this role that I can't explain. Like we need full, a full-time people who go out and do this thing. And, and part of the issue with, with the role of developer relations is you, you notice it when you, you don't have it right. Like one, if you have a bad product, then it's just like, well, of course, no one cares about us. But like, also, if, if, <laughs> and, and and please don't tell them about how bad it is. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, and I'm sure we've all encountered this, right? Especially this time of year, you're doing the Q1 stuff. Your uh, marketing's going over the new solution messaging and and everything, and then you go to the chat window, and there's all these salespeople who are just like. Well, I think what we need to do is have people speak at conferences more and uh, do more interviews and videos. And like, why doesn't anyone like know about us? And why aren't we in the conversation? And you're like, because we haven't figured out the metrics to do it yet. That's and, and so like there is that kind of like and, and you know, these are this is a way of framing it that some DevRel people don't like because it sounds kind of icky. But there's this role of just like celebrity spokesperson to kind of just like go out there and like. Be like, hey, I wrote a bunch of books on DevOps or microservices. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you're right. Well, I think I was going to say, like, maybe, uh, you know, I'll throw this out. You guys tell me if you agree with it. Maybe Kelsey Hightower, right? Maybe he's the most successful DevRel person ever, right? Because he became really like celebrity keynote, right? And I think if you were to look at his contribution, it's pretty clear. It's like if he's going to a conference, you know, he's going to pack a room, right? He's going to be a reason people even come to listen. And whatever he says is going to, I mean, it's really a marketing function, but whatever you want to call it, it's like, you know, his presence and his presentation is going to create, you know, a massive amount of awareness. Like when he's on a podcast, it's going to get a lot more listens or things like that. So, so you can do it. I mean, I think it's sort of like to your point, it's sort of like, um, if I don't know, influencer is probably another word. People don't like it, but it's sort of like, you know, it's really becoming kind of that celebrity within your, mm. your domain. I think it's just hard though. I think it's not something that not that many people are going to get to that level, but most companies, you know, they often like sometimes field CTO or CTO is another one they'll use. It's like someone that can just give really big keynote talks. Like, I think it's a valuable role that most companies want to have. Yeah, I, I think I think to 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 marry two things together, I just just to try out the uh, how this tastes and feels and stuff. Like, I think one, it's great if you're going to do this advocating for developers back to the product managers. But I think I think you put it well, Brandon. It's just like the product managers know they just need to do SSO, right? Like they just like there's all these other priorities going on, and and yeah. so like it's it's useful, but it's kind of only slightly more useful than when you do that obligatory sort of like uh, briefing from an analyst where they basically just read their PDFs to you and you're in, and you have to obligatorily be like fascinating. These macroeconomic <laughs> trends are really driving some interesting IT spending decisions and people would like to migrate their data centers. <laughs> mm, let's go eat a steak. Uh, and, and then like, but I think this idea of like the field CTO which in my experience, the field CTO is sort of like a, a sales engineer who can talk about businessy stuff or some subject matter at large. So the field CTO is like this asset that you move around when you need like whatever it is they know about, right? And they yeah. also can like talk about the actual product stuff. Uh, so, so there's that role. But then there's also this role, I think, that, that I'd never thought to associate with this word, of an influencer. And I think that's like, 
a lot of what the role, you know, kind of amounts to being, right? But it's 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 the kind of um, modern day internet influencer we have, where like unless you're, you know, like bringing in millions of dollars, like you kind of have to just like figure out how to do it all on your own, like from the content that you have to like just running the whole thing as your own little marketing department, which I think. Uh, at least as far as I've seen, is a very rare skill to have the tolerance it, it, it's for a, doing all that stuff. It's a rare skill. And I think there are some people who think they're influencers who don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to name names, of course, but I mean, there are people who are like, I don't know where you work. And I see them like, you know, influencing. And I'm like, that's great. You know, move the industry somewhere. But um I, you know, I mean, my personal preference is like as a business owner, you know, somebody on the management level is like, I want to, I want you out there hammering our message, you know, because like I actually had to stop and think. It was like, Kelsey was working at Google still, right? You know, before he left, I couldn't remember. I was like, he didn't leave, did he? Did he go to AWS? I can't, I couldn't remember, right? (laughs) Um, I'm serious. So, you know, so it's like, I'm, I'm, and, and and definitely like Kelsey is still the gold standard and everything, but it's like there were times where you know I was like I I, I I'm sure he was doing a lot of of you know customer lunches and dinners and and you know visiting on site and stuff um, to make Google very happy. But um, yeah, uh, you need to you need to still you know be on message for your company, and maybe it means you get less talks. Maybe it means you get less presentations because sure. oh no, you're pedantically on message right and and you know i'm trying really hard to avoid just describing what i do in, in, <laughs> in a way to roundabout praise how awesome i am uh that said like i think i think part of what an influencer does in in the broadest sense of the term right is even if they're not obviously and directly saying like hey and therefore you should use google cloud right like what you're trying to accomplish is uh setting up the market that your company operates in, right? And so like you see that with like, at some point, there was a lot of thought leadership done. Well, I mean, I guess not at some point. We we all sort of were there and remember it about this whole observability thing. There was also a lot of thought leadership put into big data and like on and on and on, right? And like part of what I think, again, in all industries, an influencer does is to shift to another industry. You know, they just convince you that like men should be using lotion on their face when they go to bed at night more. Right. And if they happen to work for a company that sells men's nightly face lotion, you can't, it's hard to track that through KPIs. But like, if you didn't have someone saying that the, the company who makes men's nightly face lotion would be like, what the fuck? How come no one knows about this? Right. And even worse, how come no one thinks it's a good idea? And so, you know, it, it, it is, uh, especially in the tech world, like it, it's difficult to get that done <laughs> just, right. just with like pure marketing and your, your website. Yeah. And I think maybe we should like, it's probably worth the talk, Sean, like where like, you know, maybe the most successful DevRel people kind of start and come from. Like a lot of times I think it's, you know, a practitioner, someone that has been doing something at a company for a long time that's interested in speaking. Right. So that's where they maybe go to the you know, uh, various DevOps days and they start giving talks about just what they're doing. Like, here's how we solve this problem. Right. 
And then over time, what people say is like that person starts to get pretty good. Maybe they get more interviews. Maybe they start a blog. Maybe they start writing. Maybe they do some podcasting, right? And I think that's where it's like, oh, suddenly people, then that's where vendors start to notice. Like this person is connecting with our target audience because they frankly were doing it. And now they're sort of transcending that, right? So that's like where you start to see people come from, or they actually start an open source project around it because they're so passionate around it. And that often leads to like that kind of role can either be identified as like, this is a great spokesman, or a lot of the times those people would then go on to like start the company, right? Like I think Charity Majors, right? I can't remember, was it Facebook? I can't remember exactly where she came from, but like she had done a lot of this at somewhere, right? And sort of that had, and shown, talked about it a lot. And I think she got to the point of like, hey, I want to start a company with it. So, and I think, you know, your path, you could talk more about it if you wanted to, Kote, is sort of like being an analyst, right? Observing the industry for a long period of time, knowing the trends, doing a lot of writing, you know, if you will, gaining some level of authority that way. Uh, you often find that, that that kind of analyst that people, you know, companies, vendors are like, I want that person internally. I want that person talking to my customers all the time, rather than, if you will, paying their fee for them to come in and talk. So I think that's where it, it, it always comes from. But there is the point where, you know, at some point, you know, many times that role, like, I think the idea that it's transitory does make some sense. It's like, Hey, at some point, maybe for you to affect the most change, you want to step into like, I'll just call it one of the more operational roles. And I think we all know a lot of the DevRel people, I can think of three or four offhand that have moved into product, right? They kind of get to the point of like, no, no, actually now I want to do, well, I actually want to own the product. And I think that's a really good path for a lot of people as well. Well, shifting topics slightly, but but hitting on, we, we've got sort of a triangle of uh, uh, big changes for 2024. One, don't eat a bunch of donuts. <laughs> don't bake them, bake them yourself. What, what, what's the evolving role of DevRel and just like, you know, shifts in, uh, if, if, if you're not in such a high growth uh, sort of industry, the way things operate changes. And I think, uh, you know, one of the things that when I was talking to some, uh, a reporter about 2024 predictions, I was like, uh, this remote work thing, that's going to be a big deal. Like, cause uh, you know, everyone, uh, not everyone, but many companies, like there was, there was a, I forced myself to watch it, but there was this weird video from WebMD where they were basically like, uh, you should return to the office. Oh yeah. That was and, awkward. And and so there is, there is like this ongoing back and forth about like remote work versus working in the office. And it does seem like, I think, I think, well, I assume we all kind of read all the articles over the past year and a half or two years. And as, as far as I can tell, uh, there is no decisive, I don't know, proof on really either side that one is better than the other. Right. Uh, it, it, it's just sort of like, which to me means like it's all just sort of like preference. Yeah. Uh, and and structure that you set up, which which makes it a very, which then the the way that you decide about it. Now they're all there. Whatever. There's disclaimers. Blah blah blah. But like. When you have a system set up like that, we're really, and this this gets reflected a lot in like culture and politics. This is sort of like, you know, w w whatever else people seem to think about them. Like, what one one of the things I really like about like the the Matt Iglesias way of looking at the world is like, yeah, it's a law, but you can decide to change it. <laughs> it's just like deciding not to change something is making a decision, basically, and like. Yeah. So it seems like when both options are equally unprovable, like really what's going on is you're discovering the culture of either the power of management or the power of workers that are there. And, uh, it, you know, because there's no proof. It's just like things work so, better. And I'd love to get your take on this. Like, cause I've been thinking so much about like the idea of like 
large corporations, the if you will, the faceless entity wants to deal only in objective things, right? And I think mm. it just like really has a difficulty when something's subjective, where it's like, if we can accept, I'm going to put forth your, what you said before. We just said like, objectively, there isn't any data that says one way is better than the other. Now, of course, there's plenty of subjective opinions. And if you are the corporate, if you're the owner of the corporation or the management, you can definitely have a preference that we work in the office. Like nothing is wrong with that. But I think what companies fail to like do is just to say that is to say, listen, right. I'm not, don't come at me with all these studies. It's sort don't, of like, don't, don't call it science when it's opinion. Right. But, yeah. but it's totally reasonable to say, it's like, listen, this company we've decided because you can go back to the, it's a function of culture. We've decided we're going to work in the office and that's going to be the policy. So, you know, and just state it that way and say, it's a subjective decision. It's what we're yeah, going to go yeah. for. And I think this WebMD video is like on so many levels and definitely go back and watch the original one. It's like, it really just kind of shows that because it's sort of like, it's one of these things that's almost an argument in itself for against in office. It's like, I assume <laughs> the people that came up with the video, right. We're all in an office and they're like, you know what we need to do is we should create some kind of interesting video, right? And that video spawned off a project and you hired an agency and the production, there's a lot of production value in it. There's a lot of writing in it. I, I think, think value in is subjective. Cases, um, in many cases, it looks like they're using a green screen for some stuff, which is in itself yeah, kind of funny. That's hilarious. Um, so, but where I was going with that, whereas like what they could have done and what I would have advised them to do, you know, kind of back to like, you know, the incremental thing. As I said, say it's like, why doesn't someone just write a well-written email and it can be sent from the you know head of HR and, and co-signed by the CEO just saying our preference is everyone needs to work in the office. This is our decision. Here's, you know, you know, you have this amount of time to comply with it. And if you choose not to, then, you know, we, we wish you well, like you could have just sent out an email, right? Not, you could have just said that and just said like, I know it's not going to work for everyone. I, we accept that. And we, you know, we're going to help, you know, transition as best you can, but that's, that's what we want to do. But instead, this video, I mean, I just think that whole idea, like everyone in the office and all the group think that became this video is like, you know, like to me, it is like inadvertently a reason to like, no, no, someone's just like, you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to fire off an email. I'm going to have someone read it. I'm going to make sure it's all like legal and we're not saying anything wrong. And it may be, it may be an email that's not well received, but it, it, but at the same time, it's like, that's fine. If that's important to you, if this is so important to you, like state your subjective opinion, state your preference, explain what you're going to do and just move on. But instead it becomes a, a viral video for all the wrong reasons. And, you know, especially at the end too, when they say like, we're not asking, we're like, and it's like, okay. I mean, you know, I don't know. I just like, if you're making a corporate video and people are, are telling you to read this stuff, it's like, maybe think twice. I don't know if you want to have that on your record. Like, I don't think like, we're not asking you're It's like, maybe just a simple email will do. So I don't know, but I did, I kind of go back to it. I think it just comes back to like corporations just, are not, you know, set up to deal with the subjective preference kind of statements. And I think that's where everyone gets in trouble. I, I think that's, that's, that's really good. And, and I think you're right. Like, like if, if the policy is just like, well, that's just the kind, that's the way we want to run. Right. Then it's, it's almost like that's, that's how you deal with subjective stuff, right? How you uh, fend off counter arguments is you say like, yeah, it's just a decision that I'm making or we're, it's usually an I that, that we're making that we want the company to be in person or remote. And you kind of get out of this whole, like, you know, efficiency and productivity and stuff like that, because like, you know, to take the other perspective, right. So the, 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 the workers respond, I mean, that video is easy to pick on because it was obviously a terrible idea, 
right? And, <laughs> and like, like I, I can't, you know, it seems like it must be a terrible place to work if, if that's the way that people think they can talk to their employees, but whatever. There's there like it. some Morse code blinks in there that are yeah. like, save me, I'm trapped, right? <laughs> yeah, and also it's like, I mean, unless they had someone who is really bad at lighting, lots of those people were on green screens where they had an office projected behind them as you were pointing out Brandon and it's kind of like why weren't you just in the office making this video yeah, it just looks weird i don't yeah. understand why you they were at to... home everybody yeah. knows <laughs> and anyways and so you know because to a response to that video from the worker would basically just be like hey it's uh 6 30 a.m in the morning uh i'm just gonna run a video on my gopro my gopro head of me sitting in my car for 90 minutes to get to work. Enjoy. Right. <laughs> and and they can just put that that music on on repeat, right? So the individual workers, it's all generally downside to like go from working to home to the office because the company doesn't pay them to travel to work, right? Like it's all right. And then and then sure, maybe they're gonna be able to stand up and they go wash the dishes, and now they can't do that, right? So like the essentially what you're doing is you're you're taking away compensation from employees and it's just kind of a weird way to like remove compensation but it, but to so, your point though, it's like rather like to me it's kind of like rather than debating all that as a company it's just sort of like because i think at some point the calculus is done like if you're making this video you've done all this calculus you've decided that like listen it's a it's going to be hard on the, the workers but like it's worth it it's worth it to the company it's like it, it, then you just kind of deal with the, you know, you just deal with it. You just say, it's like, Hey, it's like, I understand, you know, like, cause really what it comes down to is like, you believe that your attrition, uh, the benefits of working in the office will exceed any unplanned attrition you get. And going right, right, forward, right. you would think in your hiring process is you're only going to hire people where it's well understood that this is what it was. So it would only track people that either are willing to accept that uh, for the uh, compensation or want that. Right. And it's like, that's, but I think that's the whole thing where the company has to like, you know, grapple with that. It's like, okay, if you're saying this and, and this preference is so important to you, then like you kind of have to just deal with it. Right. And that you have to own those consequences. You have to think yeah, it all yeah. through and making a video, like I'm saying, like <laughs> making a video doesn't do any of this. Doesn't accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. And, you, you know, you know, and, and, and so to, 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 to get your good thought back on track, in, in my my explanation of it, like I think I think a a work remotely or work uh, in office policy is mostly about the, what the what management wants to do and the style and how they want to manage, right? Because if you were to ask any given worker, they would be like, "Yeah, why would I want to go to the office? Like, <laughs> I can I can talk to people on the phone, I email with them, it's fine." I'm gonna and have prove- zooms with people in the office. Yeah, and we proved that for two years, and it was cool, right? And so, like individual workers, and maybe even lower level, like you know, uh, middle managers, they just like it doesn't make sense. However, you know, I, I have this other theory that when you hire someone to do a job, they have to figure out doing that job and having a reason to exist. Like you don't hire someone to do a job, and they discover you don't really need to do the job, and they're not like, well, I resign. <laughs> like they 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 got to find some activities and like i think i think a lot of people in you know, this is kind of like there there was also some interview i think it was the ex infosys ceo who was like over, you know encouraging uh indian uh youngsters to uh, the headline 
set it up to be a little more uh, direct than it actually was. But he was he was more saying like, yeah, you know, working 70 hours a week would be very productive and helpful for your career. And, and you know, I, I kind of feel like a lot of time management is just sort of like making up shit for them to do when when really they should just be like, uh, see you later. Why don't you guys go figure it out? Because that's what I hired you for. Yeah. And uh, here's the outcome that I want. Whereas I do appreciate, you know, when I see some of the stuff there, it's like one, you know, obviously it kind of like you first see it and you're like, well, definitely not sure I would want to work there. But I also appreciate the transparency. And I guess this is like you know, to really go against type here. It's like to maybe to like, you know, give some credit to the investment banks. Like no one takes a job at an investment bank as a first year associate and should be surprised in any way that they're working 80 hours a week in an office and they're working weekends and they're working really late hours. Like it is very well chronicled. That's what that job is. Right. And they're pretty clear about it. I mean, at this point, I don't think anyone's hiding from it. So it's like, I think we're, you know, it's kind of back to like this middle layer. And again, like, is any of that necessary? Many people do it for a short period of time, decide they don't think it's a good job. They don't want to do it, but it's pretty clear like what's going on. Whereas I think, so much of the companies we're talking about is like, they, there isn't that willingness to like be that direct, you know what I mean? And like deal with like, yeah, well, you know, maybe working at a WebMD and having to go in the office, maybe it's just not worth it. Maybe there's a lot of people that are just unhappy with that. And it's like, well, well you just got to own it, right? You know what I mean? I think the investment banks own it. Like, you know, just own your workplace culture. If that's what you want. And I think, you know, to kind of bridge to a, a slightly different topic, I think this, uh, there's this viral video of this uh, woman getting laid off from Cloudflare, which I think is like, it's a little painful to watch, but if you are someone that has either never had to lay anyone off or been laid off, I think it's very instructive to watch. Cause I was like, <laughs> this is pretty much how it goes. Right. And it, there's a lot of people saying, it was like, Oh, it's unfortunate. This wasn't handled in a good way. This wasn't really, you know, how it should be done. I'm like, no, this is pretty much how it is most yeah. places. And I thought like, and then no one will say that out loud. In fact, even the Cloudflare CEOs, came out. I think first they said, it's like, that wasn't the way to handle it. We're, I'm sorry that, you know, the, the way that people communicated to her, it was only HR people, wasn't her manager. But then since then, they've kind of gone back and said, well, you know, we, we've decided this was a performance layoff and we kind of stand by it. And I think it's just another really good example of like, you know, here's what it's like to get laid off at Cloudflare. And it's like, just own it. You know what I mean? Like she yeah. worked there 90 days. Uh, they've come out and said, you know, that, she didn't meet the performance. You can watch the video yourself where she kind of asks why. It's not made clear to her why. Very common. I think that is a very common thing, right? And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, it's sort of like she was told to leave and that's the end of it. And you kind of see it's like, okay, well, you just got to own these things. You know what I mean? It's like, that's the way you want. And I think that, and to me, it's like, that's probably the best corporate culture video you're going to see about Cloudflare that's available, right? It's like, you start, maybe not, you know, this might not be the right word, but most, most accurate. accurate. Maybe yes. I'm just saying authentic accurate. It's like, here's what it's like to work at Cloudflare and sales. If you didn't produce in 90 days, you know, they are probably going to ask you to leave. Fine. It's not that uncommon in sales, right? Not yeah. that, not super uncommon, but it's like, there it is. That's what it is. Now, and again, I think the same thing because you really kind of like feel for her because when she, because I think I, I was sort of uh, just watching and I've seen like been seen so many sides of this and where she's sort of like asking for like, what do you mean? Like I was, you know, I, I was given only good feedback and it's like, yeah, this is exactly how it is. This is exactly how it goes most places. Like companies don't want to come in and tell you stuff like that. Right. And I think, yeah. so I just kind of, kind of go back to like, you know, it's just maybe two viral videos this week. One made on TikTok with someone just getting laid off is vastly more valuable 
than the highly produced, you know, return to office WebMD one, which is just like crazy. So, so if you're gonna watch anything, watch that one uh, for Brittany and hopefully she goes on and finds a new career. But I think she did. She did. And probably, and again, too, I don't want to pick on any one company. I think, cause I think it, it's pretty much a good example uh, as a, a tech layoff, even though many, many people have already and probably will email us and tell us, no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to be done. It's supposed to be done this other way. It's like, no, no, no. I understand how it's supposed to be done. Don't yeah. trust me. I understand how it's supposed to be done, but I'm telling you, this is pretty much how it is done at most places. So, right. so that's like, that's the reality. So don't, uh, and don't allow any executive. Cause I think, you know, the executive from the CEO hasn't come out and said like, well, we're going to make changes or the people that no, should be disciplined or we're going to give them a bad review because they didn't handle this right. I think he sort of owned up to it. Like this He's is like, how it is. We've got 1,500 salespeople or whatever. You know, this is how it goes. You know, right. Maybe- and, and- and they should put that. Like, hopefully, they did. They I mean, did. And in the CEO's follow up, he was yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. This, is, you know, this is a volume exercise, and uh, HR and volume uh, feels dehumanizing." Right. And I think we could just like <laughs> take this to the next level and just say it this way: It's like, listen, when you hire on, because I'm just saying what he he said. When you hire on Cloudflare, they can tell within 90 days certain people are not going to be uh, make it, and they're going to let you go. So hopefully that. In this case, I think it's very uh, clear. Brittany was did not know that, right? And also to know that it's like, you know, maybe it'll be made clear to you. Maybe it won't. Maybe she missed something. I don't know. When you watch the video, it seems pretty authentic. I don't think she's yeah. sort of like hiding anything. But you can fit. So I think hopefully, but if if they own that Cloudflare, it's like, yeah, 90 days after you come out and you take this new job, we may decide that you're going to be like, oh, here's how it's going to go down. So just so you know, because like taking a job like that and being fired 90 days really maybe hurt someone's career, or at least put them at a real disadvantage. So maybe someone would think a little bit more uh, carefully about taking that job if it's stated right up front. But I think, you know, in the recruiting process, like a lot of this stuff doesn't come up. Right. So so I think it's so. And again, I don't want to pick on Cloudflare. I just think like good thing to watch. Good thing to like maybe internalize, especially if you've never been through it on any side of it. It's good to just watch it to be like, yeah, OK, now I have much better understanding of how it goes down. Mm. You know, I had to, to lay off 11 people in one day I'd never met. And that, that was, that was, uh, that was thrilling. There was, there was, there was a script and everything. And I remember, I remember the first one, uh, like it was a phone call, unfortunately. And, you know, being me, even at the time, I was like, this script is nice. Thank you. And uh, so I, I just like, you know, I like to be straightforward and direct. So the person picks up the phone and I was like, hi, uh, you're being laid off. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that wasn't how the script went. No, no, that wasn't on the script at all. And the uh, the, the HR person was like, maybe next time stick to the script. Wait, so the HR person just like sits over your shoulder and watches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh and, my and gosh. Like, I, uh, actually, I don't even think they were over my shoulder back to the remote work thing. I think they were also the on the soon. phone. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. Geez, this like is, this is before the, yeah. this is before the era of Zoom. But the, the, the point of bringing that story up to, to add to what you're saying is I think, I think there's a lot of employment situations that could really do with just like a government standardized form that just has some boxes. And one of them would be the layoff form. And it would just be like, you're being laid off. Here are the reasons. See you later. Right? I, I bet. I bet Workday has a whole batch of templates. Or but kind of back to like, libs for layoffs. Yeah, but yeah. I think this is kind of back to what we're saying before. Like I also, I think maybe some standardized way, and also too, it's like when it's a performance based thing. Like in the company, there are many things. To your point, Cote, there's all this training that goes on behind the scenes when you're like gonna have to be on the the bad side, delivering the news. It's like 
you know, what they allow you to say, what you're not allowed to say, what you're, what you actually know versus what you don't know. Right. And it's like, again, I think if they just like, in this one video, if they just said to them, it's like, you know, we've decided that it's, you're no longer a good fit for the company. And we really, and just, and you just kind of say, because like, especially in the U S everything's at will. And, you know, we've decided that based on our internal processes, I can't share any other information. We, you know, I know it's unfortunate and we wish, we wish you well. And it's sort of like, yeah, it's really unfortunate. Like as the person getting that, cause you just kind of feel like you didn't get any information, but they're not going to, you know what I mean? It's like, maybe we just normalize. That's what you get. Right. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I think, everybody. I, I think, I think what I'm looking for in a form is like anytime some, especially in a work context, I mean, in your personal life, you don't really have an escape latch from this kind of thing. But anytime someone uh, comments on a process that like, there's no good way to do this, then yeah. like, don't do it with a human. Just like yeah. have a form, right? Like we all, and, and you know, th- there's a little bit of like, you also have to te- uh, set expectations that there's no good way to do this. But if you find yourself saying, oh, this is, this is always uncomfortable. There's no good way to do this. And just like, well, first see if you can not do it. That's always a good option. <laughs> and right. then, and then, and then two, just like, don't, don't have a human face to it. Cause it's just like disingenuous. And that part is even more, it's not even more, but it's equally frustrating to just be like, for for example, well, you, to have you me gotta put a human face on it though. I mean, that, no, that's, that's the that's, problem. That's, it's like that that might you know. I'm 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 more saying this to see what see what we think about it. But like, yeah, re- reflecting know. on reflecting on like like just calling eleven people and reading a script to them, and I've never met them. I mean, there there is there's a human face if you're in the room, but it's not a very good one, right? right? Like, it's just like, what is this human face doing? But I think what you hit on there is so good. Like you talk to anybody that works in HR and they will say something like, well, you never, uh, best practices is to never have people that have you've never met do it. And it's like, sure, I'm glad you said that. But like all the time that happens, all the time for different reasons that comes. So to your point, like I've often thought like, hey, you know what? It's like, because the problem is you're catching someone off guard almost all the time, right? Or at least like a very heightened situation, you're giving them very little chance to react, right? So it's like, somehow it's like, you know, people would hate this, but whether it's like an email or a notification telling them, it's like, listen, we've made this decision, right? And, you know, you're no longer going to be with the company and we're going to be, I'm, and then we're, and then schedule the meeting and say like, we're going to have the meeting in 30 minutes or whatever. And I can go over any questions, but just to let the person like process, you know what I mean? Like kind of to your point about, and then, then yeah. it, there isn't the awkward conversation. It's just sort of like, you just allow that person to then react and say, okay, did you read the email? Did you get all the information? And then you allow them to kind of take the lead. What do they want to talk about? And, it, you know, to me, I think as a company, like that's the moment where you got to be able to, you're going to own everything. If that person wants to get very angry and mad, you just, you just take it, right? If that person has questions, you take it. If that person wants to get emotional, you take it. You know what I mean? Like you just sort of like, that's what that moment, you're just sort of trying to help them as best they can. And I think, you know, that to me, but this idea that, you know, you read the script, like you, you, if you will, you throw someone in a room, you read a canned script. And then you, you say you've done your job. It's like, uh, I mean, it just, you know, to your point, coach, I think you hit on it right. Well, it's like, it wasn't good for anyone. Like nobody really benefited from that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I had some other brilliant thought, but I forgot it. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. Well, good luck to all the people who get laid off and are doing the layoffs. And, uh, you know, I, you know, you know, I, I know what the thought was, you know, maybe this is just me, but I don't like to have meetings where nothing is going to change. And so it's sort of like also on the checkbox is like, you know, uh, there's the option that if I talk with people, they'll change their mind. 
And it's just right. like, you know, may, maybe this is this is not not to get too deep into it because we can we can get to lighter things like conferences and recommendations and keyboards. But like maybe this is part of a, a psychological problem I have is like I don't really understand the need to just like vent and get closure. I think it's much better just to like bottle that up because like, you know, you're just sort of like yelling at a brick wall like. What's that all about? Seems yeah, like no, I agree. And I, I think maybe where we should come back to it's like, and maybe the thing I think uh, a more positive thing we can say here is just to say, it's like, I'm just really want to credit. Uh, I'll just call Brittany. It's like one, she was brave to just like post it out there. And I think two, like, I actually think that will do a lot of good. The fact that people kind of absolutely and can kind of, if you will, it's kind of what I've seen before. It's like, you can at least absorb it and think to yourself, what would I do in this situation? And I do think, you know, to your point, Cote, um, at the end of the day, there isn't anything that's going to change. So maybe what you, if you encounter this, say what you need to say, but also just realize that like, Hey, life will go on. You know, you will almost always get another job in your life. And also to realize that like kind of what the theme of this episode is like, all you're hearing is someone else's preference and subjective opinion about Mm -hmm. you at that moment. And you don't have to own it beyond that. Right. You know what I mean? So like, I thought this, I'm really interested to see because this person, the one thing I thought it was like, man, this is like a good sales in, in, uh, interview because she was handling each objection and coming back with a better yeah. question to the point that like, they were kind of really stumping the people. And I was like, wow, seems like this is the kind of person you would want in sales. So, so I think- <laughs> Talk like, about a challenger sales model. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she was, she kind of came across that way. So I don't know, you know, so anyway, I hope she does well. And I think, again, credit to her from uh, for doing that. Well, I think, I think our, my message- uh, about all of this is workers of the world don't let hr hide in darkness there you like, go just uh you know make make sure that uh they they don't you see use that as a shield now speaking totally unrelated of hiding in darkness we've kept people in the dark about uh matt's preferences and thoughts about the return of the uh the the microsoft sculpt keyboard so I think I think <laughs> I think what we want to know is what your your position. Well, we set it up, right? There was a on for those that are watching the live stream. There was a a dramatic episode where Matt Ray, I think it was orange juice, spilled orange oh, juice, yes, yes. into uh, the former deep in the archives, yes, and uh and and killed his keyboard, and then uh, but then it recovered, was, uh, and then that's but right, then it died. because it wasn't. <laughs> so so Matt, the world. Uh, wants to hear, will you be returning to the Microsoft Sculpt now that it's been resurrected? Whew. I mean, it, it's a very fine keyboard, but, um, you know, as, as listeners know, I, I have made a, uh, a sizable investment in, in, in my Keychron, and um, I'm, I'm ride or die, man. This is, uh, this is my new keyboard, and uh, it's, it's, it's an investment. So, you know, if uh, in case, is that who picked up the, the Microsoft yep. business? Uh, if NCase is still making it in ten years or so, when this Keychron starts to you know show its its age, maybe I'll go back. But um, I'm kind of liking the Keychron. It's it's a better keyboard, but you're paying a premium. I mean, that's the problem with like all premium products. It's like, yeah, it's better, but how much better and how much am I paying? Well, I've already made the choice, right? I've already spent the money. Yeah, um, you know, I'm probably not going back to the the keyboard I/O. That that's a fine keyboard that mm-hmm. is sitting on a shelf. Uh, maybe I need to go sell that one. But uh, yeah, Keychron it is. Wow. I, I, oh, wow! Only only you would 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 think about a keyboard in terms of an investment. <laughs> like I I feel I feel like you must have a spreadsheet where you're trying to figure out the amortization schedule of your various uh, keyboards. I, I, I mean, this thing is 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 point oh oh three cents per click. I mean, for, you know, I, <laughs> I, like I gotta it. I got I gotta work it right. 
Yeah, it's like it's like you're doing the uh, what's what's the bookkeeping method where everything zeroes out. You're doing the double bookkeeping exactly. on, I, on got, your keyboard it's, strategy. It's on, it's on a five year amortization plan. <laughs> that sculpt was was four years at best. I mean, it it pays for itself in the long run. Whereas I think me, if I was some sort of keyboard interested person, I just have would have a closet full of keyboards. I'd be like, I, I don't fucking know. One one of these might work one day. Right now, I have three. So I, I and I'm I'm thinking I need to offload one because I don't see myself going back to it. I, I think I'm, what we have here is a uh, we've got a uh, how did you say it earlier? We've got a mac- microcosm of everything we've been talking about here. I am the zero interest uh, hyper growth company who's just mm. throwing money at figuring out a keyboard. And you're like, hold on, we've already got a keyboard. We need to put together a business case, and we might have to uh, send the HR form to the other keyboard and lay them off because after a performance, we had a lot of good times that other keyboard and me, but uh, we've made a decision. All right, well, Matt, before we get off, they completely uh, leave your uh, your rec- your if you will, you'll call it your home IT recommendations. Also, wanted to know this was also came up in the Slack is that. You were considering moving from one password to Apple Keychain, and you were moving. <laughs> You're a full family of five. It was a full family of five, I believe, five total people. You were going to uh, try to work on the migration. So, someone, as someone that works on migrations uh, all the time, I'm curious: Did uh, were you able to migrate everyone off one password? Where do we stand on that project, Brandon? What's your number one competitor in migrations? Uh, Inertia. Well, what's that? <laughs> Inertia. Yeah, I was gonna say, not doing quo. anything. Status quo yes. is the uh, status is the quo wins again. Status quo. All right. So status quo wins again. I am for the one password. The sixty dollar uh, family or was it fifty five dollar family yeah. plan uh, is just built into the budget now. We're just no, 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 no. The, the family, they're on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not. I have disabled one password from the one browser that is broken, Firefox, uh-huh. and I'm just slowly letting i'm 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 like ghost writing my my browse my uh, password management i'm just jumped off off it and let it keep writing like you got this is like a windows 2000 server that's still Uh running it's now Uh still going Uh nobody has the source code we're not sure what we're going to do if it breaks but like know what we're going to do we're just going to ride that baby till the end we well no 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 it's better than that. It's a strangler pattern. As 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 passwords show up, I like. Oh, you save move them. them over one by one. I move oh. them over one by one. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, good. well I, I want pattern. I want to add uh, a little bit to this uh, the the Q one persona and uh, customer needs and values uh, research. I I recently broached the idea of shifting our one password. Uh, uh, what would you call it? Sys solution to uh, to Apple keychain and before i could get the words out of my mouth kim was basically like don't change this again i finally <laughs> have it figured out and so so i think i think what we have there is uh that that is actually pretty compelling uh that it's just like you know everything's working everything's working we don't need to mess with it keep using the same keyboard i can still type things no, no need to uh, shift around. Exactly. Well, right. well c- congratulations, one password for uh, you are too big to fail. But they're not getting more money, or we have more money. In. I, I, I've got my site license, and and you know we're just going to just going to the end though. You're like, you're, yeah. you're, I totally get it. Though. You're like, I'm I'm going to own the maintenance of it. So congratulations, one password. You've uh, you know you've won for now until such time that you know until I don't know. I guess until it breaks for Matt. We'll check with yeah. him. We'll check back in two or three years. See if he's see what he's done. Yeah, he's got he's got perpetual license tattooed on his head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Well, speaking of perpetual licenses, there's several conferences coming up. Uh, there's that conference over there in Round Rock, Texas, January 29th. There's also Configuration Management Camp, uh, which is going to be February 5th to 7th in Ghent, Belgium. I'll be speaking there on day two. Uh, that's February 6th. And uh, there's the UK, UK's Open Technology Conference for Open Source Software and Open Hardware. That's February 6th and 7th as well. Uh, if you're interested in that, there's a, I've, there's a lot of open source conferences uh, that I've been noticing recently. So that one should be fun. And then there's also uh, Scale 21 and uh, DevOps Days LA, March 14th and 17th in Pasadena, or as the rest of the world knows it, LA. Uh, I'll be speaking there as well, uh, which will be fun. They, they asked me to uh, uh, do a little overview of the state of DevOps uh, at the beginning of my talk, which is great. After all these years, finally someone has asked me to give the easiest type of DevOps talk uh, possible, which, which I'm, I'm excited about. And uh, then there's KubeCon EU Paris, which is going to be March 19th and 22nd. Lots of stuff in March. I have a talk on the wait list for the platform side conference. It'd be great if they accepted it. Uh, otherwise, I'll have to figure out some reason to go there and hopefully not work in a booth and be like, hey, uh, you want a water bottle? <laughs> uh, you know, what interesting stuff. Fun, uh, per, you know, fun parental side note there. Uh, at my kid's school, they're giving out bike, cover, bike seat covers, which you can imagine in the Netherlands is quite the thing, bike Ooh. seat covers. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it commemorates 20 years of their school or something. So I was talking with uh, my daughter, Alejandra, who goes there. And I said, like, hey, if you see any of those bike seat covers, I'm sure they're just giving them away. Just grab some. Grab some swag. Yeah. Uh, and, and she was like, you mean steal them? And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't steal swag. I didn't actually say swag to her. I need to have this conversation with her. Like, swag cannot be stolen. They actually want to give it away. And I was like, you know, I go to conferences a lot, and sometimes I help out with my company. I just stand there at a table, and I give away stuff. And uh, a lot of people, they don't realize that you brought that stuff for them to take. So they ask if they can take it. And I always tell them, like, yes. That's why we brought it. Please take it. Do you want three? Uh, and, uh, you know, she un unlike what I was expecting, just having like, oh, that's a, some searing insight. And I love the way you phrase things, Dad. Instead, she said, you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was uh, perhaps the best performance review uh, I received in my life. Uh, <laughs> concise and to the point. Well, speaking of performance reviews, do we have any bureaucracy this episode, Brandon? We do, but uh, I'm just glad she didn't ask you how many uh, marketing qualified leads you you got at the conference. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've done that. Like, yeah. this, this this damn iPhone eight based QR scanner doesn't work fast enough. <laughs> I mean, now that would be next level uh, <laughs> input from your your, uh, your children. Uh, we do have some feedback this week. Uh, actually, quite a few things, which was always good. So one, I sent stickers to Dan in Indiana. If you would like a software defined talk sticker, you can send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Also, several bits of follow-up from uh, last week's episode. So I've sort of uh, stumbled down the uh, water bottle rabbit hole. So Shara recommends the Owala Free Sip. And I put a link in here. And it's like, oh, in the world of water bottles, this has both options. It has both the chug spout and a straw. And it also has a very nice uh, sealer and has great reviews on Amazon. So, yeah. So I think this is now overtaking the Stanley as more utilitarian, if you will, way. So maybe, Kote, your next conference, you can give away uh, these Owala free step ones. Because once you kind of get yeah. into it, it's like 
there's a lot of people with opinions. Now, it also spawned off another conversation in uh, Software Defined Talk about some people just don't believe you need the water bottles. And then I think Michael Neal also, it, this went down another rabbit hole about never drink water on airplanes. I don't know where you guys come down on that. <laughs> like don't drink the coffee on airplanes. And then I guess what they're referring to is don't drink like if they just give you a cup of water. I guess it hasn't come from the bottle. Um, just smack it away. You get it away from there. So yeah, I, don't know. I, don't, I don't know about that. I will say, though, I feel like as Gen X parents, I think we can claim, claim ourselves that is that I think the fact that we've given our children water bottles just means they're um, more well hydrated and that we weren't well hydrated in our uh, youth because we oh. only had water fountain or we had soda or we had everything had sugar in it. Right. We always had something that was that way. So I feel like we've done something good for the world and the fact that we've changed over that uh, parenting style. But there's a lot of conversations that no, 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 that this generation is weak because they have water bottles. <laughs> I don't believe that, though. I believe we probably should have had water bottles in our time. We don't didn't need to be a wall of free sips, but uh, it probably was better. Um, that uh, it would have been better if we had water bottles. That's where I stand. So I don't believe it's a sh- sign of weakness that Gen Z has water bottles. Well, so, well, you know, to, to, to use one of my favorite pieces of wisdom from Immortem Joe, just be careful with water or else you'll get addicted to it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, another quick piece of, we talked a little bit last week on the mobile passport control system. Kote, you gave us a, a, quite a good review, but you gave us a U.S. citizen review. So mm-hmm. Michael heard the episode, I guess, while he was like in transit or pretty close to it. Uh, so he said he was going to tr- try it. Now he is uh, using, was it, is it ESTA, E-S-T-A? I guess he has the, the, the visa, if you will, uh-huh. to get into the United States. And he said, uh, he went into it saying it would never work for a non-citizen. But this is what he did. He downloaded the app. He did it. And he selected visa waiver. I guess that's one of the options when you go through it. He said he was shocked at work and that he was able to go right through the line, saves him at least an hour or more. So, I, you know, again, I want to like preface this as like international, have no idea. Um, but like he said it worked and he seemed to be pretty proud of it. And I'll just say this, a friend of the show, Jordy, uh, interrogated him about like this actually working. Like, he, he would not accept the fact that it worked. went on for several times. So Jordy has signed up and I know Jordy was going to email when he comes to the United States. If it does not work, I am 100% sure we're going to hear from him that it did not work. But like, it looks like it would. Now he actually uh, also suggested another hack that people use uh, coming from Europe. I assume most of European citizens into the US is that they'll go to Dublin, fly through Dublin and you can do the customs there, right? The U.S. side, so you don't get stuck in like one of these long lines on that side. So I don't know if that's something people are interested in. And then finally, uh, we talked a lot about uh, Google and Google's infrastructure. It's often known as Google 3, and Craig shared a nice link to Hacker News that sort of explains what Google 3 is and kind of what a, uh, how it all works. So if you're interested in like learning more about Google 3, check out that, and you can, you know, if you will, uh, know what it was. And he has actually kind of jokes that like there was a Google and a Google 1 and a Google 2, but no one talks about them because I don't think they were very good. So, but Google 3 infrastructure seems like it's working. So there you have it. That's the feedback. You know, I think I've told Jordy this before, but he should really be an industry analyst. I think, I think, I think whatever topic it is, he he's got the uh, he's got the tools to really interrogate uh, in a good way uh, a situation and uh, and figure out what's going on. I just hope I just hope that passport thing works because if not, you know, it's gonna they're gonna get a lot of <laughs> bad feedback. Hell to pay. They're gonna be yeah. they're gonna get some really bad feedback. So. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a it's a good example of like the success of digital transformation that gets overlooked. That's that's the thing. I don't know what to call it nowadays, but that's the thing about like good digital transformation or when you improve the way you do your software is that when you're successful, no one notices, which is the point. 
Yeah, no, and that's why I think we try to talk to this. I actually think the government, you know, both the state and local governments are like good examples of them because they take processes that people honestly like despised and if when done right, transformed correctly, they become pretty painless. And this is hopefully a good example of one. And Jordi, Jordi, I'm cheering for you. I hope it works for you when you come to the U.S. Well, uh, what do you uh, say? Let's say someone comes to the U.S. Uh, what's something you would recommend for them, Brandon? Well, here in uh, Austin, Texas, we had a little bit of cold weather, which of course is always bad because um, it's not so much we can't deal with the cold weather, it's the infrastructure can't deal with the cold weather. Oh. What I did uh, do, my son actually turned me on to this, is uh, we've, uh, if you will, become a family that subscribes to the Carrot Weather app. So this is sort of like deviating from the defaults lifestyle. Of course, the built-in weather app is uh, fine. Of course, there are like a million free weather apps all fine. But my son uh, showed me this one and it's pretty cool. It's like a weather app with like every conceivable feature you ever wanted. It has lots of different data sources, lots of different layouts. It has like a snarky setting and has like a, an offensive setting and it has a uh, just a fun setting. So all of these things you can use inside of the Carrot weather app. So if you're looking for a weather uh, app that just has everything you wanted to and you're willing to pay a little bit of money, I highly recommend the, the Carrot weather app. So check it out. Do you have the uh, the insults turned on? Um, I think I'm like one. I think I have snarky. I think my son has insults on because he really <laughs> finds that good. And I think my wife, maybe she just, I think maybe she's still in snarky because that's the default. So yeah, you can get a lot of stuff, a lot of different things. It is kind of fun. It makes, if I know this is like stupid to say out loud, but it's like, oh, I'm checking the weather. It's kind of fun, right? Because you see it. And it's sort of like, <laughs> just like a little like, uh, and the people, the copywriters and stuff behind the scenes, like pretty good like i think it's i don't know maybe it's all been done by ai, AI. But I'm like, some of these are pretty good i was like i don't know how they translated into other languages I was like oh, i like this it's pretty good i i think i think checking the weather is a uh, under talked about hobby of probably billions of people well here i'll give you the one i don't know if you cote um small talk it sounds like you've got like some wet, a lot of weather obviously in the Netherlands. one of the things i like here is like you can pick a data source but the, one of the data sources you can actually pick the specific weather station. So you can find the mm, one that's closest yeah. to your specific house. Um, you know, again, stating the obvious that the weather varies even over a few miles. And it's like, oh no, it was, it's actually kind of nice to see the weather like right where I live. Cause it, you know, yeah. it's just cause it makes a big difference. So again, like, again, no one needs this. It's one of these things no one needs, but it's really good if you want it. Yeah, yeah, that 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 might be useful here. And you know, there, I I always forget the name of it, but there there's a there's a weather app that everyone in the Netherlands uses. Like it's it's one of the first things they told us. They're like, don't don't use those. They don't say it this way, but don't use those American weather apps. And it's true. Like, so I, I have a side by side widget of the uh, the Apple weather app and this one I can't figure out the name of. And and the the Netherlands one is always more accurate to oh, the yeah. point where like I feel like they must be employing thousands of people like just spread out in a 20 kilometer grid and they're like, go input the weather. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I think that's so, what it comes down to going down this rat hole a little bit, unfortunately was like, uh, I did learn that like some of like, I think Apple weather and others, what they do is some combination of like averages. So they'll like, you know, for Austin ooh, or wherever you are, mm. they'll look at, you know, a set of temperatures in the given area and come up with an average, which of course it's not that temperature it's not necessarily that temperature anywhere in that area, right? Which yeah. is like, which I mean, is kind you, of the point. So it's like, oh, that's what I thought was cool. It's like, I just want you, you input your address. And maybe this is what they do in the Netherlands. You can be like, oh, like here's the weather station that's literally closest to your house. Yeah. And you yeah. can be like, oh, that's much more accurate than like the average of the nether. Because I think with you, with all the rain and stuff, it would probably vary pretty wildly, right? Like, I mean, rain For in one sure. area. Well, that's a big city. 
Yeah, I mean, it makes yeah. and, and it gets a lot. It's, of it's, I, I think in the Netherlands, it's always raining. It just depends where. Yeah, where exactly, right? So that's not helpful if it's just like, yeah, it's going to rain today. No, it's going to rain at my house. So there you go. Yeah, check yeah. it out. Huh. Um, All right. Well, what do you have to recommend, Matt? Well, uh, one, one one side note: the Australian version of that is the uh, the bomb, uh, the Bureau of Meteorology. They've got their app. It uh, does not do Fahrenheit for you Americans, um, but they also spent reportedly like two hundred thousand dollars trying to market themselves as something besides the bomb, and so now Australia bombed only refer to them as the bomb. So careful with your marketing dollars. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that, that up's fine. Um, my recommendation this week is uh, there's a relatively new Murderbot Diaries book. Uh, I've been listening to the audio book. And I, I've decided like, if you've read the Murderbot Diaries, it's it's a good series. He, the, uh, the, the Murderbot, who's the, you know, it's his diary spends a lot of time like listening to uh, watching videos for relaxation. And I've decided that listening to the murder bot diaries is my version of his version of relaxation. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, I'm also playing um, uh, aliens fire team elite uh, with, uh, with my son some, and there's a lot of parallels between aliens and uh, murder bot. So I just wanted to point that out. Well, the 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 uh, uh, murder industry continues to deliver uh, for everyone. Quite, <laughs> yes. quite quite the boon for quality of life. Uh, well, my recommendation. Uh, I, I finished reading. I was recommended this by our old friend Charles Lowell. He of all sorts of things, but uh, way back when the DrunkenRetired.com podcast, and I was telling him about my recommendations of uh, Hild and Meanwood, and he mentioned this book series called The Lost Kingdom. Uh, which is kind of set in the time pe- same time period, and I read it, and it's like, I think it's like the uh, it's like the eighth century English sword n- equivalent of just like you know gratuitous murder mystery books. It's like very formulaic, pretty straightforward and simple, and uh, and a delight to read. Uh, and so I started reading the, uh, the the next one as well. There's also a TV show apparently. I'm always a little leery. Like I, I, I need to find uh, a wiki page that says like this book maps to this season, so I don't reveal uh, the, the plot or, or anything. I don't know if that exists out there. Also, uh, finally, I think I think our discussion of weather apps one was gripping, and uh, I, th- I think I think is always good. But you made me think uh, of, of a new slogan, maybe a T-shirt for the defaults lifestyle movement, and I think it is. The defaults lifestyle is fine because I, I think that kind of encapsulates the whole thing. We're just we're shooting for fine. Like it doesn't have to be great. We don't want it to be bad. Just right there in the middle. We want it to fine. be fine. It's fine. It's, yeah, and that's why I, we we should figure that out. Is I feel like maybe we, as you just did, we need to put just in there. I remember some episode I had a lengthy discussion about the variations of fine when combined with just. Uh, I have to go back and listen to that never. Uh, but uh, the defaults lifestyle is just fine. I think that's maybe what it needs to be. And uh, that's the slogan. Well, thinking of things, or speaking of things that are just fine, you've listened to another Beyond Just Fine episode of Software Defined Talk. This is episode 550. So that means if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 450, 450, you can find links of everything that we mentioned 
well, that's not probably true. You can find links of most everything that we mentioned uh, and a whole lot of things we didn't talk about uh, that have been cataloged over in the Software Defined Talk Slack channel, where every week the community there keeps track of interesting things. Uh, so go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 450. You can get all that stuff. And remember, if you ever get the chance to get someone's uh, podcast downloading software, whether it's on an iPhone or an Android, just go to their podcast software and enter Software Defined Talk and uh, subscribe to our podcast for them. Do the thing where you download all existing episodes and they'll thank you uh, for, for discovering something <laughs> new for them. With that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You're reminding me of something I wanted to mention, which is like, and, and I'm going to combine, we've got a, great, a lot of great business ideas right now going on. Like, I think one, we should launch a weekly water bottle podcast going mm -hmm. over the hydration industry i'm totally into that that, yeah. that would be great i i can i can be like the uh the the uninformed goofball uh as we go over stuff uh and and just you know i'm happy to test all sorts of water bottles and two i think maybe the way we kind of liven that up is is once a week we go over developments in the hydration industry but then the other part of the week, we cover the hot news and weather apps. <laughs>